0: Hi, this is Alan Bolio from ITR Economics. Thank you for joining us for the Vistage webinar the other day, our friends in Houston and Little Rock, Mobile and Oklahoma City. I'm glad to be able to answer some of your questions, at least the best that I can. I don't have uh, all the answers that you're looking for because of the detail of some of them, but let me get into what I can, okay? Uh, as far as the difficulty in, in getting confidence in COVID-19 forecasts due to lack of testing and associated data, I certainly get the point. Um, It is factored into our forecast in that as flawed as it is, there's a certain consistency to the methodology, but we don't depend a lot on new cases. We look more in terms of deaths. And as we look in terms of deaths and look for the trend there, that's harder data. That is easier to track. It has nothing to do with the amount of testing or the reliability of the tests. It's pretty final. So as we look at the United States and at different states in terms of the number of deaths and look for that trend, we gain in confidence. And, and that's what we use in our forecasting, that things are moving in, in the right direction for a healthier United States as we move forward, or at least one with a lot less risk in it. Uh, and so just rest assured that we glance and we look at the number of cases to be sure. We take encouragement when they're down because at least it's a favorable trend, but it is the deaths that matter the most. And those are moving in the direction that are consistent with forecast. Now, do I think that the U.S. will default on T-bills uh, and on the debt and/or the debt that China is holding? Uh, no, I don't think we can afford to default on either. Uh, what would be the consequences if we did that? It would be that the dollar would plummet in value. We'd have an incredible wave of inflation, and then we'd really have to jack up interest rates significantly on T-bills the next day because we need to borrow every day. Even if we wipe out the debt to China, we would still need to borrow the next day. Uh, So as we would be ruining uh, our relationship with one of our major lenders, China, or with the rest of the world, if we do it to everybody, that means that the very next day, the federal government uh, is short billions of dollars in cash, and that money would have to come from somewhere. Now, in theory, you can quote unquote, print it. Uh, They don't actually do that, but the Federal Reserve could Uh, conjure it up magically through the miracle of uh, I's and O's, ones and zeros, I mean, but the reality is they're not likely to do that either for the same reason. So we're kind of stuck with this debt because it's not like we're free and clear of the debt after because the budget is so out of balance, uh, we would need to borrow the next day. Nice idea, can't work because it's just like your household. If you're living way beyond your means and you just refuse to pay your debt, that does not help you the next day because the payments would not be enough to right-size you uh, rebalance the budget so that it did balance. Hope that makes sense, let me know if it does not. Yeah, I said to invest in equities, yes. Uh, No, I can't give you an example because that is way too detailed. I would suggest you check with your personal wealth advisor. Uh, We use the ITR Optimizer here at ITR, uh, many of us, and if you wanna know more about that, send me an email. But a lot of this has to do with your your tolerances, your age, your plans, your, your goals. Uh, so it's very hard for me to say, take this particular stock and invest in that right now. There are opportunities out there. Uh, but again, I would refer you to a trusted colleague uh, if you don't have your own personal wealth advisor so that he could have that conversation with you. It's who I use and who we use here at ITR. His name is Clark Belling. All right, send me an email, Alan at ITREconomics if that's of any interest or help to you. Um, You could use the same methodology, the ITR optimizer that we use. Okay, how does the country pay off the national debt? Uh, It doesn't, probably pay it off anytime soon. Uh, In theory, the way to pay it off would be to reduce spending while keeping revenues constant or have revenues go up some. And if we could do that, then eventually we could reduce the debt through time. Of course, that would take a Act of Congress, if you will, because you would have to have a Congress who's determined not to spend more as they got more money in. So if you increase taxes and only use it on other programs and not on debt reduction, you've accomplished nothing except to transfer wealth from the fri- private sector to the government sector for redistribution. So if you're going to pay off the debt, you have to have either an amendment or laws or something in place to protect us from a Congress who just wants to continue to spend. Uh, as far as your daughter, I feel sorry for her uh, in that uh, the amount of taxes she will have to pay in her late 20s, which would be uh, about 10 years from now, uh, will likely to be uh, uncomfortable in that we'll still be alive, we baby boomers, and as we baby boomers are causing a major drain on the economy versus, because of healthcare, that means the money will have to come from someone and your daughter, who's a Z, will have to be paying more taxes in order to support me. Uh, The good news, if you wanna pass it along to her, is that the peak death rate for baby boomers is in the late 2030s, so it's a temporary problem. And then the Zs and the Ys together will decide on how are we gonna handle all this healthcare, how are we gonna handle all this funding and such as we go forward. Now, this is also a partial answer to how do you pay off the debt. If the government, Congress is determined enough that as we die in the late 2030s, more and more of us as we go through the 2030s, if they transition that money to debt payment, uh, then they would be able to re- to pay it off or at least significantly reduce it. I don't think they will uh, without a congressional act of some kind. Thoughts on China, U.S. further trade war pre-election. Yeah, it's heating up. It's likely to heat up. It makes for good press. It makes for a way to rally some voters uh, to the administration. So I would expect that you're gonna see more of that as we go forward. And it gives both sides, China its rhetoric against the United States, the United States rhetoric against China, uh, something to focus the attention of the people on. In times of difficulty, you may have noticed this, one of the most common things to do is rally people to the flag. And sometimes that even means starting a war, which is not what I'm saying for now, by the way, but as you rally people to the flag, at least a certain segment of the population, maybe even a large segment of the population, It takes uh, the attention away from other prevailing woes and even somewhat subconsciously, psychologically, it gives you somebody else to blame for what's going on. Uh, Pretty common throughout history, so I would expect we'll see some increased flaring of, of irritation between the two nations. If we should sell our business in 2023 and be careful of 2025, why should we stay in equities until the end of the decade? Well, you don't have to, of course. It depends on if you want maximum return on investment. If you were to sell your business in 2023, be careful, in 2025, where else would you put your money? If you put it in bonds in 2025, you'll get uh, a fixed rate of return. But the inflationary pressures in the second half of the decade could really negate the interest rate. Let's just assume that uh, the return on bonds goes to 3%. It doesn't stretch my imagination much to get to a 3% inflation rate in the second half of the decade. So in effect, inflation is eating away at your income stream, which is not the best place to be. Equities, we think in the latter half, especially in the last few years, should give you a nice return on investment. Now, you can talk with your professional investment advisor, like Clark, or your own. I would talk with Clark, obviously, for mine, and say, all right, what can you get me where I can park my money at 7%? If you can do that in 23, if you can do that in 2025, then you're likely to stay ahead of inflation. And if it gets that bad late in a decade, it's not going to be that bad for long. So I would suspect that uh, it depends on how much money you need to make off of your investment in order to have the lifestyle that you want to have and what your risk tolerance is. It could be that you want to go and very staid and secure equities. It could be you want to be in equities in all, at all. Uh, You don't need to be there. It's just a question if you want maximum value increase and maximum return on investment, that would be the stronger place to be as opposed to bonds. All right. How does the the partisan, uh, let's see, how does he see partisanship now impacting next uh, relief and opening red versus blue uh, states? Well, the partisanship is very strong on CARES 2.0, otherwise known as Heroics Act. Uh, Very, very strong. You saw the House just passed it and not all Democrats voted for it, but it did pass the House. And the Republicans are overwhelmingly against it, uh, both on its face value and what it supports and the fact that it is lacking in a liability protection uh, provision for businesses, or at least a promise of separate legislation for liability protection for businesses. So it's easy to see where this could be at an impasse for a while. Uh, This is uncomfortable for many states and localities and businesses who are counting on a a second wave, if you will, or even a third, it's actually at this point, a third or fourth wave of stimulus spending. But the partisanship seems to have ratcheted up, even as there are voices that are saying, all right, let's wait and see what happens with what we've already done, which is not unrealistic, by the way, because we don't really know how much stimulus we're going to get from what was passed, because while we live in an instant world, and we want to communicate instantly, we want instant results, this is a process. Getting trillions of dollars, over four and a half trillion dollars at least, into the US economy does not happen in a month, my friends. This, this is something that will take months, and we won't know until months go by whether we're seeing much in the way of uh, uh, adrenaline or maybe even plasma put into the US economy in order to get it going again. I think we're on track. To see that happen, uh, Chairman Powell wants to see a lot more money passed by Congress uh, to stimulate the economy even further, and he also is, has said that there is no end to the ability that the Federal Reserve Board has to stimulate the economy. Having said that, we don't know what will happen, we don't know what will happen, but our forecast is predicated upon the fact that something positive will come in the way of stimulating the economy from what has been passed, and there's likely to be more, which will stimulate it even further. The ramifications of that come down the road. Now, as an Austrian-leaning economist, I'm not for or against, I'm not passing a value judgment here. I just, uh, as an Austrian-leaning economist, believe that there are ramifications down the road. Not today's problem. If you just wanna focus on the near term, looks like there'll be some benefit to the near term uh, from what has been done. Okay, Uh, do we see hyperinflation as a possibility? Everything's a possibility, but I'm going to change that word to probability, and the answer is no. Uh, Hyperinflation is a pretty technical term. If you mean an increase in inflation over the next several years, uh, not anytime soon. Uh, We will have uh, virtually no inflation this year, probably even some disinflation this year from everything going on. Next year, you might see inflation, the consumer price index, heat up to about 2% by the middle of the year, maybe go a little higher in the second half of the year still very comfortable for individuals, very comfortable for businesses, and very, very comfortable for the Federal Reserve Board, doesn't cause them to raise interest rates. And it lets them be very accommodative with interest rates as we go through the rest of this year, and most likely through a good part of 2021. Maybe in the latter part of 2021, we'd see just a little interest rate rise as a reminder uh, and as they head off any inflation. Uh, We'll have to wait and see about that. We don't like to go that far out on inflation rates. Nevertheless, uh, I mean on interest rates, nevertheless, do not expect any inflation this year or really any to speak of in the first half of 21 Uh, should be all calm, all good and hard to raise prices. Uh, How can Houston do better with oil uh, so low? I'm not sure I understand the question. How could Houston do better as in what could it do to change? Well, it's been changing. It's, becoming more uh, diversified, it's not nearly, it's not as dependent on oil as it used to be, the more diverse Houston is, and, and, uh, as in a Dallas or a San Antonio or, 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 and, and such, you're going to find that uh, there's a better resilience against uh, what is going on. And that is happening in Houston. So uh, it's not going to be like the early 70s, uh, where, uh, you know, uh, Texas was just crushed by the oil problems, it's not going to be uh, that situation. It'll be painful for many companies. But our office in Texas is reporting that most of our clients there, while they're expecting some difficulties uh, in the oil patch companies, others are just continuing on with adjustments to the forecast perhaps, and others with no adjustments to the forecast because they have uh, economies, uh, excuse me, industries that are going uh, forward at a pretty good clip and therefore no need to worry at the moment. So it depends on who you are in Houston and what you're doing. If you're tied strictly to oil and the oil patch uh, shuts down for more than a short period of time, that leaves the reservoir flow in question a few months from now, maybe six months from now. And if they shut down, let's say, for six months and we're not sure of the reservoir flow afterward, that means that your business uh, could be on the low side and be troubled as we head into 21 uh, and be quite separate from the rest of the Texas economy not knowing who you are, I'm afraid that's the best I can give you uh, for an answer as we go through that. Any breakdown on housing starts in terms of starter homes versus higher-end homes and custom homes? Yeah, starter homes are at their greatest risk. Uh, right now, starter homes are actually uh, saw a very normal February to March rise in the monthly data, which is very encouraging. In the 300000 to just under $400,000 range, we saw a decline in March, uh, a very, very sharp decline. And above that, uh, you, you can find some hesitancy both the stock market coming back and the upper end homes, uh, higher end as you call it, and custom homes. Uh, you can expect more activity. You, you, those aren't the wages that are going to be negatively impacted if they are voluntarily reduced by five or ten percent. It's not for long. And you're going to find that their portfolios are coming back. So you're going to find that they're spending. The big concern is in the starter homes because with 30 million people unemployed, that makes us very concerned about that end of the housing market. So while it had a good March, we're concerned about that lower tier home and its ability to rebound uh, in 2020. Now, we'll wait and see. Our forecast for employment suggests that uh, you know unemployment will slowly come down, employment will be going up, but uh, that's not the same as repairing all the economic and financial damage to families. Uh, that some have incurred, and it does not guarantee that lenders will relax their standards so that those folks can more easily go out and buy a home. There was a lot of activity before all this started, uh, but we knocked people back uh, a few feet off their feet, and we'll have to wait and see how they get up and dust off. Some will move forward, no doubt about it. It's whether it's at the same same strength as before. That's where my doubt comes in. We'll wait and see, but I again, submit that the higher end Custom homes, that's where the play is as we go through at least the near term. Which industries are I'm most excited about based on our outlook? Uh, I think that you're going to find that food, uh, beverage, you know, things that allow us to stay home and uh, allow us to ease out, you're going to find. I think that wholesale distribution uh, will be a good play in many areas as we go forward. Manufacturing will pick up as we go forward. I'd stay away from the automobile industry this year. Again, that's a uh, very much a question for your advisor. If you want to know what in- industries to sell into, food and beverage is certainly one of them. Defense and things related to defense is another. Technology is another one. I think we're going to find uh, a need for capital investment in this country, both to reduce our labor count and to somewhat insulate us from another in- uh, pandemic, and also to provide that growth in manufacturing that's been lacking of late. And, and if we get that capital investment, and if you can play in that capital investment field, I think you're gonna find that that's a good industry to be in. I think people will be receptive to the uh, protection, save you money, and in, and increase the capital intensity in their company. Uh, those are the plays that I think are there for you. Uh, Well, see, i look for nonprofits. Uh, That's a tough one. It all depends on the nonprofit that you're talking about. But in general, when we wrote our book years ago, Make Your Move, what we found was that the major nonprofits' income stream, not by by death, but by just normal giving, uh, monthly, weekly giving campaigns, tracked with the stock market. So since the stock market is coming back, Beginning to move up and it may not move up really sharply, but it is likely to continue moving in the right direction. Emphasis on the word likely. We don't forecast the stock market, but as we look at the numbers, suggest to move upward historically. And based upon our earlier analysis, to suggest that giving to nonprofits moves up, certainly a demand is, is stronger than, than ever, depending on your nonprofit, families in transition, food, you know, shelters, that sort of thing. Uh, You're going to find that it is uh, playing to people's sensibilities, their hearts to get the revenue to come in. And as we go forward now and as uh, things settle down, as we begin to see the recovery take shape in the third quarter of this year in GDP and more in the fourth quarter of this year, you should find that the income stream also improves. That type of nonprofit will just kind of feel the economic benefit. If you're a nonprofit that in a trade association, it really depends on the trade association you're in. How much pain the members have, have suffered and whether they want to part with the cash, see any value in belonging uh, to your organization this year. They may just come back in 21. And do we see uh, security token replacing the dollar? That's a fascinating thought. Uh, no, we don't. Only because the United States is still the most trusted economic entity on the planet. It's still the strongest economic entity on the planet. So no time soon do we see the dollar being replaced as the de facto uh, uh, currency of the world uh, where the oil is denominated in the dollar, etc. We know that China and others would like to see that happen, but liking to see that happen is not the same as making that happen. Again, we go to history on that. The Maastricht Treaty took seven years for a relatively small number of nations to come up with the euro, which is basically an extension of the Deutsche Mark. Uh, can you imagine trying to come up with a basket of currencies where everybody understood the, the waiting, agreed with the waiting, and decided to shift everything over uh, to that system? Uh, boggles the mind when it's just so much easier to lay, leave things as they are, despite any inter, uh, national, nationalism rearing its head and providing for some uh, disgruntled comments about the dollar being the de facto reserve currency of the world. All right. Hope that helps you. Stay with the dollar. Stay with the United States. Stay with your outlooks. Remember, this is temporary, and we'll, we're going to get through this. We already showed you how the uh, death rates are coming down nationally and in many states. We see how the number of cases, which is a real fuzzy number, I get that, is beginning to look better. Uh, we're watching the second wave, and as just this morning, as I looked at South Korea, and the second wave, there's this obvious spike, but it's already passing. And they never got near the spike that they had when they started. Now, I understand South Korea can bang, shut things down and do things that we can't here in the United States. But it's still an encouraging sign that even though it's spiked, it was not one of those, oh my gosh, moments. And it's already coming down off of a second wave. So I think that bodes well for us as we go forward. We'll watch it together, I hope. Uh, look at us on our, on our free material that's available on our website. And thank you for being part of Vistage and thank you for allowing me to be part of your day. Hope you have a great one. Thank you very much.